Good morning. Uh, we're looking this morning at God is loving. We've been in this sermon series called God is. Uh, we've been looking at the attributes of God in the summer just for you know several weeks. Um, it's a little bit different for our church. Typically, we go through passages of Scripture verse by verse, like books of the Bible. We'll study them. Um, but this summer, we've been looking at the attributes of God. We've looked, um, you'll recall, at uh, the fact that God is Trinity, the triune God, three persons, one God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We looked at the fact that God is good, the fact that God is all wise, the fact that God is holy, 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 and the fact that God is just. And we looked, where do we look for all of this? We looked in the Bible. What has God revealed about himself? It seems like an important thing that we would, you know, sometimes, maybe just like occasionally in our Christian life, sort of pause and really reflect on who God is, right? It's important. This quote that we've read every week from A.W. Tozer reminds us of this, and it says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. We tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward our mental image of God. And so so we've been in this series, right? And so today we're looking at God is loving. And this perhaps is an attribute of God that most of us, if we took like a pop quiz on God's attributes, would have would have maybe put first. God is loving. Many people believe God is loving, and rightly so. I looked up uh, the definition of love in Webster's Dictionary online in preparation for this sermon, and it said a strong affection for another or attraction to another. But what was more interesting is that while I was looking it up on the website of Webster.com, there was a pop-up message that popped up, and I was like, oh, wow. And it said, love is currently in the top 1% of lookups and is the fourth most popular word on merriamwebster.com. I was like, wow, all right, well, consider me one of the people making it popular today. Love is popular. You know that. In our culture, we talk about, sing about, write about love all the time. It's an understatement, isn't it, to say that love is popular? We're obsessed with love. Our world is obsessed with love. Just think about all the songs about love. Hopefully I'll get your favorite. Are you ready? What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. (laughs) Right? All right. All for love, Brian Adams. I won't won't try that one. But some of you got it right now. You're hearing it. Baby, I love your way, Peter Frampton. That's for the the older school folks. California love, Tupac. Can you feel the love tonight, Elton John? Can't buy me love. Does anyone know who that's by? The Beatles. Yeah. How can we be lovers if we can't be friends? Michael Bolton, all right. Um, I would do anything for love. A man who's no longer with us, Meatloaf. And then last and most important, I love you this big, Garner's own Scotty McCreary. 
All right. Love is really popular. That's my point. Love is really popular. The Bible teaches that God is love, but our world has turned that around, hasn't it, to say that love is God. We, we treat love like it is God. Whatever we feel affection toward, we justify that thing almost in a God-like way. It's okay, because I love it. We pursue love. We pursue the things and the people that we love, or we pursue being loved by those people in a God-like pursuit. We have made love to be a God in our world. The Bible agrees that love is important. So many places in Scripture, a major theme in the Bible, the greatest commandment, love God, love your neighbor as yourself. John 3.16, a verse many know. First John, we'll look at this in a moment, that God is love. First Corinthians 13, Paul says, if I have not love but have the faith to move mountains, basically, I have nothing. So with love being a or maybe the major theme in the Bible, God wants you to get it right. You understand? God wants you to get it right. And that is our big idea this morning. That God passionately wants me to understand, to see, and to experience His amazing love. That's it. We're going to look at so many verses in the Bible this morning. Almost like you should never feel bad, right? For like showing people verses in the Bible. But I almost do because there's so many. Um, It's a little different for our church. Again, we usually go through a passage just verse by verse. Looking at a lot of verses in the Bible this morning. We're looking at, I'll share with you a lot of quotes this morning. So it's just a lot of information. So that's okay though. You just need this big idea. God passionately wants you to understand, to see, and to experience His amazing love. In fact, let's just start here. I want you to give yourself a test. This is a sort of a self-test. On a scale of 1 to 10, I just want you, in your own mind, to give yourself a number, give yourself a grade, scale of 1 to 10 in these three categories. Again, understanding. God's love. What I mean by that is ability to define it, ability to distinguish it from maybe like the world's definition from love. Just you understand what God's love is. I'm not saying you understand the full depth of it. No one could do that. But I'm just saying you understand it, okay? Scale of one to 10, what would you give yourself? See God's love. The second one. See it. You know, you can show someone it. You can see it in the Bible. You can... Recall to mind passages in the Bible where God's love is seen, where it's on display. You can see it. Scale 1 to 10. And then experience God's love. Experience God's love. Now, don't just think about, you know, that you had this burning bush moment of God's love touched you. Don't just think of that, but just think of the whole of your life just experiencing God's love. But also think in this moment on a scale of one to 10, how is your experience of God's love? Wherever you grade yourself on those three, just know that God passionately wants you to 
understand, to see, and to experience his amazing love. So let me read one of the passages that we're going to look at this morning, 1 John 4, 7 through 12. I'm going to say a quick prayer, and then we're going to go through our outline this morning, which, surprise, it's understanding, seeing, and experiencing God's love. 1 John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because... God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God if we love one another. God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. Bow with me. God, we thank you this morning for bringing us here, Lord, to this place of worship, Lord. We pray that you would allow us, God, to just sit on the edge of our seat, to be just captivated by the truth of your word this morning. Lord, we want to better understand, to better see in your word, and to better experience in our own hearts an explosion of an awareness of your amazing love. So draw our attention to heaven this morning, to the cross of Jesus this morning, to your love for us in our lives this morning. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen. So first we're going to look at understanding God's love. Understanding God's love. And here we're going to just think about a definition. We're going to think about some adjectives to help us sort of wrap our minds around what is difficult, really, to understand fully, right? One definition would be um, from a book called Systematic Theology, would just be this. God's love means that God eternally gives of himself to others. Love is self-sacrifice for the highest good of another. It's you before me, and God has like the corner on the market of love. God's love means that he eternally gives of himself to others. He is love. I was talking, so I just want to be upfront and say that the love of God is hard to define. It's hard to define. I was uh, talking with my friend um, Andreas this week. I was working on my sermon, and he uh, is a partner in ministry with our church, a theologian in residence, and he's a professor. And he stopped by the office, walked down the hallway, stopped by the office. He's like, oh, you're working on your sermon. It's like, yeah. It's like, oh, what's the topic this time? like the love of God. It's like, oh, great. My biblical theology book is, uh, uses that as its main theme. Like, oh, great. It's like, I think I'll be there this week, actually. Oh, great. Services are at 5.30 p.m. We'll see you there. <laughs> uh, says, then he just says, this should be one of the most important sermons of your life. I look forward to it. 
thanks. So I share that, and uh, jokingly a little bit, but it is just one of those things where it is so hard to feel prepared to talk about the love of God. A couple of definitions, or just helpful quotes. A British minister in the 1700s, John Bryan, says, no tongue can fully express the infinitude of God's love, or mind comprehend it. It passeth knowledge. Ephesians 3. The most extensive ideas that a finite mind can frame about divine love are infinitely below its true nature. Tozer is helpful again here. I can do no more justice to that awesome and wonder-filled theme, he's talking of love, than a child can grasp a star. Still, by reaching toward the star, the child may call attention to it and even indicate the direction one must look to see it. So as I stretch my heart toward the high, shining love of God, someone who has not before known about it may be encouraged to look up and have hope. Understanding God's love, we're going to do our best, but it's a major task. I'll give you just five adjectives that I think are helpful as we consider God's unique and amazing love. Five quick adjectives with scriptures that support them. And the first one, the love of God is uninfluenced. It's uninfluenced. It is not earned or triggered in any way by you or by me. It is uninfluenced. Deuteronomy 7 says, It was not because of you, because you were more in number than the other people, that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you were the fewest of all peoples, but it is because the Lord loves you. Uninfluenced. 1 John 4 says, We love because he first loved us. His love before your love. His love not influenced by your love. Uninfluenced. Ephesians 2 says, God being rich in mercy because of thee. Do you see it? Great love with which he, what? Loved us. Even when we were dead in our trend trespasses. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Uninfluenced, dead in your trespasses, yet a great love with which he loved you. Uninfluenced. God's love is uninfluenced. Even Romans 9 speaks of how uninfluenced God's love is by our deeds and actions. It's speaking of Jacob and Esau, and this is a difficult passage to wrap your mind around, but it just shows how uninfluenced God's love is. It's so different from worldly love. It says, though they were not yet born, speaking of Jacob and Esau, and had done nothing, either good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls, she, that's Rebecca, was told, the older will serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. Uninfluenced. God's love is uninfluenced. 
Five adjectives trying to understand God's love. The second one, the love of God is eternal. Eternal. It's not in time. It's not temporal. It doesn't expire. It is eternal. Jeremiah 31.3, the Lord says to Israel, the Lord appeared to him, to Israel from far away and said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. Ephesians 1 says, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him, in love he predestined us. Outside of time, before the foundation of the world, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 8, love never ends. There's time and then there's eternity. And the love of God is eternal. It's not expiring. It doesn't last just as long as your marriage with the person who you love lasts. God's love's different. It's eternal. The love of God is uninfluenced. It's eternal. The love of God is unchanging. Unchanging changing. God does not fall in or out of love. His love is unchanging. It does not increase or decrease. His love is unchanging. James 1, 17, every good gift of which we would consider love one of those for sure, right? And every perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation, no change or shadow due to change. Romans 8, 38 says, I'm sure that neither death nor life, angels, rulers, nor things present or things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So just think about that. Let that wash over you. The unchangingness of God's character and therefore his love. The love of God is uninfluenced, eternal, unchanging. The love of God is holy. The love of God is holy. It doesn't break the law. It's not winking at sin. It's holy love. 1 John also speaking of God's nature, says that this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light. He is holy. And in him is no darkness at all. And so his love is holy. Hebrews 12, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Again, God's love is holy. It's not a pampering love. It's a perfecting love. God's love is holy, uninfluenced, eternal, unchanging, holy. And finally, God's love is infinite. Now, there are so many more adjectives we could probably give. I'm just giving five this morning. This is a big one, though. God's love is infinite. It's not just barely enough. It's not just enough for you. It's not countable. It's not quantifiable. It is infinite. Here's the verse. John 3, 16. 
For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. I want to look at this verse for a moment, thinking about God's infinite love. Do you see it there? It says, God so loved the world. So God so loved the world. How much though? God so loved the world. How much though? It says, it says, what does it say? It says that he gave. What did he give? His only son. So let's, let's unpack that, right? A teenager so loved the Venti Starbucks pink drink that she gave, she or he, gave $7 for that drink. That's how much. The Nets in Brooklyn so loved Kevin Durant that they gave a contract of $198 million. Now he wants a trade. So God so loved the world. So what value does he put over here to define that so loved the world? He gave his only son. God the Son. The eternal Son of God, Jesus Christ. So if you put God the Son on a scale and on the other side of the scale, you keep just pouring more weight onto it. You could infinitely pour more onto it and never tip the balance of the scale because it's infinite. God's love is infinite. He wants us to understand that. God passionately wants me and you to understand, to see, and to experience His amazing love. Second point, seeing God's love. Seeing it in the Bible. Seeing it in the Bible. There are three places I want to point you to, and there are so many places we could look, and we've already looked at some as we gave those adjectives, but three places in the Bible where we can see God's love on display. One is creation. One is creation. God created the universe. He created the earth. He created people, men and women in his image. On the sixth day at the peak of creation, in the creation story, he made men and women the crown of his creation in his image. God created everything. And it says in Genesis 1.31, he saw everything he had made. And behold, it was, what does he call it? Very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Colossians 1.16 gives us more insight. For him, for by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities. Watch this. All things were created through him and for him. So God's creation, God is a creator, and he created all things. He called it very good, and he created it ultimately for himself. 
who else would he create it for? Created it for his glory, for his pleasure. Creation is the masterpiece of the creator with a bow on it and dedicated in love to God the Son, Jesus Christ, through him and for him. Created for a relationship with God, the bride of Christ. Creation is a way that we see God's love. Also, another place where we see God's love is care. God's care for this world, for his people. So let me show you a few places. One would be just the way that God cares for everyone in the world. For everyone in the world. From Matthew 5, it says, I say to you, this is Jesus speaking, this is red letters. He says in the Sermon on the Mount, I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And then he says, so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. In other words, if you love your enemies, you will share in the character of your father in heaven. As a son shares in the character of his biological parents, you will share in the character of your father in heaven. You'll be a son of the father if you love your enemies. And then he defines that. He's like, here's what the father does. He makes his son rise on the evil and on the good. And he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. So Jesus says, you should love your enemies just like God does. And then in the mind of the disciples, they're thinking, when does God love his enemies? And Jesus is like, got you. Yeah, let me tell you. He makes the sun rise on his enemies. On the unjust and the just. He makes the rain fall on the crops and provides for his enemies. Those who shake their fist at him, who want nothing to do with him, God still blesses them with common grace of care. And through that, we see his love. But he also cares for his people. He cares for his people in a special way. Romans 8.28, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. So how do we see God's love? One, creation. Two, care. And three, and most important of all, Christ. Christ. Through Christ. Through Jesus Christ. First of all, through his nature. Him being the Son of God, being eternally loving in that he for eternity, loved the Father, and the Father loved him, the triune God. In John 17, 24, it says, you loved me before the foundation of the world. So part of how we see God's love in Christ is we see that he is love and has always eternally been love. It's his nature. His incarnation. Luke 19.10, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus came from heaven to earth to seek and save rebellious, sinful men and women like you and me. He's on a mission. He's the ultimate missionary. He's pursuing you. That's what we do when we show our love. We pursue Jesus' teaching, 
his ministry, his teaching and his example as part of his ministry is a way that we see God's love. Think of Luke 15, a famous story of the prodigal son. God's love is on full display toward both sons, the lost wayward son and the lost son who stayed home. But in the first part of the story, the lost son who goes wayward to the distant country when he returns home. Do you know what happens in Luke 15? Jesus is telling a story about the father's loving heart. And what happens is this first century dignified father runs in front of the whole city and village, toward his wayward, embarrassed, sinful son. And it says in his compassion, he ran to him. It says he kissed him. It says he hugged him. It says he said, get the robe and the ring and put it on him. It says he called for a celebration, kill the fattened calf. It's a picture, and this is Jesus' teaching in his ministry. A picture of God's love. And then most of all, his cross. The cross of Christ. Seeing God's love in these places in the Bible, creation, care, and here Christ. The cross of Christ. Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. I would encourage you, if you go through a season where you do not personally and subjectively feel God's love, run to what is objective that God has loved you, that God has demonstrated his love for you. While we were sinners, Christ died, finished work, died for us. God passionately wants us to understand, to see in Scripture, and to experience his amazing love. So let's talk last about experiencing God's love. Experiencing God's love, three ways. The first way, simply, is to receive it. To receive it. A.W. Pink, in his book on God's attributes in the chapter on God's love, he says this, listen carefully. There are many today who talk about the love of God, who are total strangers to the God of love. You must receive God's love. You must make a choice to be in a personal relationship with the loving God of the Bible. Not just have a lot of thoughts about God is loving, but really know personally the God of love. How do you do that? You turn from self, you turn from sin, you turn from self-reliance, and you turn by faith. Indeed, you run by faith to the cross of Christ and put your faith in Jesus on the cross for your sins. John 
God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever, what, believe in him should have eternal life. That's how you receive God's love. You believe God's good news that Jesus Christ died for you. And so I would encourage you this morning to receive God's love. Another step is to believe it, to believe it. It's difficult, isn't it? It's difficult to believe in a love so different from love that we experience in our most loving relationships even. You have to choose to truly believe in the love of God as it is seen in his word as we have reflected on this morning and not to believe in some lesser love. The love of God is countercultural. It's counterintuitive. Believing in God's love is a one-time decision, but it's an everyday battle and we have to settle it and fight for it. God, I want to believe and walk in belief in your love. that's uninfluenced, that's eternal, that's unchanging, that's not like my love or my spouse's love or the love I have for my kids, God, that is so unique and countercultural and counterintuitive that it's holy, that it's infinite. God, I want to believe in your love. Help me in my unbelief. So we have to believe it. And last, and importantly, share it. Share it. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Amen? When we empty ourselves out telling others of the love of God, or even better, demonstrating to them the love of God willfully, it's amazing how God fills us back up with a deeper measure of His love. And so if we want to experience God's love, we've got to receive it, we've got to fight for belief in it, and we've got to share it. One more quote. The true Christian joy is the heart's harmonious response to the Lord's song of love. God passionately wants you to understand, to receive, and to experience His love. Let's pray.